0: Welcome to episode 135 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christchurch, for Christ Church and all who would care to listen in. I'm here with my co host, Dr. Gabriel Williams, a professor of atmospheric physics at the <laughs> College of Charleston. And uh, so happy to be here again today with you, Gabe, to discuss uh, things that count.
1: All right. Good seeing you again.
0: We are. Uh, talking about a number of different issues uh, in our podcast over the last few weeks and and today we want to discuss uh, the five solas of the Protestant Reformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even remember if we've talked about this before, Gabe. We've had lots of episodes over the years, uh, and of course, it'd be okay to refresh on some of them. I guess if we can't remember if we sure. did, it, uh, our <laughs> listeners wouldn't be able to, our, our nine listeners wouldn't there be able to, mm-hmm. to remember. Uh, but we, we do want to reinforce some of the important things that have been um, declared from the pulpit over the last few weeks uh, in my sermon series uh, on the five solas of the Protestant Protestant Reformation; these truly are foundational doctrines for the church. Uh, and so, while we know that you know Luther and Calvin weren't uh, running around with flags with the five solas <laughs> on them written in Latin, uh, we we do know that uh, later on, uh, scholars and pastors and theologians. Sort of summarized the teaching of the Reformation by pointing back to these these five truths um, that are important for us to understand, particularly uh, in relation to soteriology, to our to our salvation in Christ. And so, let's begin uh, by talking about sola scriptura, because where, where else are we going to start? But but uh, the the Word of God that that. It is the Word of God alone, sola scriptura, the word sola means alone, that is our basis and foundation uh, for uh, life and godliness and faith.
1: The way I like to describe uh, sola scriptura to those who are inquiring about why it's important is that it means that the scriptures are the sole infallible rule of faith and obedience for the Christian.
0: The authority, the ultimate authority.
1: Exactly, and that means, rather than uh, how tradition is sometimes perceived in other traditions, sola scriptura simply means that when it comes to the final word about what ought to be practiced, what ought to be believed by the Christian, it starts with the one thing that we know is breathed out by God. And there's only one thing that we have in possession that is breathed out by God, and that is the scriptures themselves, according to 2 Timothy.
0: Let me read that passage here, Gabe. I've just pulled it up. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Uh, Gabe, tease out that, uh, that word there, theonoustos, breathed out by God. Why is that important?
1: reason that we understand this to be vitally important is because this is speaking about what we typically call the doctrine of inspiration. Breathe out, in this case, you can kind of think of the picture of exhaling on something. Mm-hmm. And so the picture here is that as the men who were writing the actual scriptures were writing them, it is God himself who breathed out. He basically gave not only his divine approval of it, but he also was the one who inspired and basically gave them the grace to actually write what is actually in the scriptures so that's why we will never say that the words of scriptures are merely human opinions it's not just people reflecting upon god and just people reflecting upon their experiences with god the scriptures themselves are god's word through the agency of human authors
0: Yes, truth through personality, in exactly. a sense, and and it's helpful, isn't it, to talk about the nature of Christ, the two mm-hmm. natures of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So, we, mm-hmm. uh, in in the one person of Christ, we have a man with two natures, uh, human nature and a divine nature, and so there is a humanness to Scripture, and there's a divineness to Scripture in mm-hmm. terms of uh, it being breathed out by God. It is God's word, and yet it has come through human agency.
1: And this is also what we read also in a second Peter when it speaks another passage about an inspiration is that men were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they spoke the words uh, that we see in the scripture. And because that is the case, the question you have to ask is, could anything ever have more authority than the Word of God? Nothing else, no matter how well you uh, believe and uphold the tradition of church, it cannot over—it cannot be something that overwrites what Scripture itself has said. And so, ultimately, when we come to the actual Christian faith, we go to what God has said, thus says the Lord.
0: And very quickly some of the ways that we have tended to move away from sola scriptura one of course was at the time of the reformation Mm. when the medieval roman catholic church was putting the ultimate authority on tradition and on the confessions and on the pope, mm-hmm. uh, so that scripture really became subservient to those things rather than the ultimate authority. That's one of the things that Jan Hus and and Wycliffe and Luther, mm-hmm. of course, uh, uh, emphasized and punctuated in their preaching and teaching and writing that mm-hmm. we must look to the word as the authority. Well, in our own day, yeah. it's not that; it's really. Uh, experience and um, our our inner experience, subjectivity has trumped Mm -hmm. ultimate truth. Even within the church, people will say things like, well, uh, I don't like what God's Word says there, I think what I'm thinking is right, and so uh, they will see it as more authoritative. Their experience or inner thoughts as more authoritative than the Word of God.
1: Yeah, and this kind of goes back to what you can call the attributes of Scripture. Since it is breathed out by God, that means there are some things that must follow. So, for example, it means that the Scriptures must be united in their message. So, this is something that you may have heard if you talk to more liberal Christians who will try to divide the words of Jesus from the words of Paul or other things like that. Again, if Scripture is breathed out by God, And all the scripture is breathed out by God, that means it comes from the same singular source of inspiration. So it would be invalid to say that Jesus affirms something that Paul contradicts later. That's not what scripture is, it is God breathed, and therefore it must be united in his message.
0: And another issue in our day is the idea that there is continual revelation, Mm -hmm. right? So we have our modern day prophets and apostles, even within evangelicalism, even popular uh, teachers um, like Beth Moore and others who will say things like, God told me, Mm -hmm. I went up on the mountain in my retreat this past weekend, and God told me to tell you that this is what needs to happen. Those kinds of things. So that would also remind us why Sola Scriptura is so important, because it's the 66 books of the Bible alone that are the Word of God, whereby God has spoken and whereby God is speaking Mm -hmm. uh, to us um, by His Spirit. Uh, What about Sola Gratia? We've talked about Sola Scriptura, such an important Sola. But what about sola gratia, by grace
1: alone? Why is this so important for the church? Well, consider what salvation is. If Ephesians 2 is correct and we are, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we were slaves to Satan in this world, we were following the course of this world, that means there would be no hope for any person unless God himself is the one who acts and raises the dead to life. And so when we speak about salvation by grace alone, we are not just saying that grace is needed for salvation. That is true. We're making a statement that says grace is sufficient for salvation. It is what is needed and all of that is needed for a person to be made right with God. And that's because again, a dead person cannot will, a dead person cannot work, he must be raised to life first. And that is only by God's grace alone.
0: Amen. So it's it's not salvation by cooperation. Mm -hmm. It's salvation by grace alone. God has done it all. He has done it. And this brings us back to the doctrine of assurance, because Mm -hmm. if you have participated in the gaining or earning of your salvation, it would automatically mean that you could also be responsible for the losing of your salvation. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we do have those who would say you could lose your salvation and it's based on the premise that they themselves were a part of getting saved they That's they right. added their works uh what and whatever iteration they come up with um they have said that that they are the ones along with god who is responsible for their salvation
1: and this is a long standing issue when it comes to the history of the debate between uh, Protestants and Roman Catholics. You, if you have Roman Catholic friends who are pretty well learned, you will probably hear the complaint that appeared during the time of the Reformation and the Puritan era. And it's the belief that if you say that salvation is by grace alone, then some would say, what motivation would you have ever to put your sin to death? What motivation would you ever have to live a holy life if you say that you're saved by grace? And so the argument goes from there. Therefore, salvation must be faith working through love or grace and works in some way. But this, in terms of how we've always discussed this in this podcast, this confuses what we are referring to when we talk about the grace of God and salvation, because. Every Christian will say that works are needed, but they don't really define what that means. We say that works are required in the sense that every person who is a Christian must be sanctified by the grace of God, and that sanctification involves the intentional effort of the believer with the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. So salvation is all of grace so we've considered sola scriptura that the bible alone is the authoritative word of the living god we've considered sola gratia by grace alone that we are saved by grace alone we we read about this of course in lots of places in the bible but uh, ephesians 2 verse 4 says but god being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with christ By grace you have been saved. And then in verse 8, it says it again, For by grace you have been saved, through faith. Mm. And so we come to sola fide, through faith. We're saved by grace alone, but we're also saved through faith alone. And faith is that instrument which we've been given by God, so it's not something we're born with. Mm. It's not something we drum up or muster up. It's actually a gift given to us when we have been united to Christ so that we can receive the salvation that is given to us in Christ. It's the receptacle, as mm-hmm. it were. It's how we receive the person and finished work of Jesus Christ and that faith itself is a gift lest any man should boast.
1: And again, this means that faith is not perceived as a work in which salvation is earned. Rather, as was just mentioned, faith is the instrument by which we receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that itself uh, usually ends most of the confusion about what faith is. And so if faith is perceived as something that the person himself or herself must do, then yes, that means faith is at the same level as any other act of obedience. But that is not what we understand the scriptures to speak regarding faith. There are numerous passages in Acts and in the New Testament which speaks about faith needing to be created in the heart of a believer. We have passages that says that some people do not have faith, which is why they do not believe. There are numerous passages that speak about the fact that it is the preaching of God's word that produces faith in the hearts of believers. believer. And so what this means is that if faith is a gift in that sense, it cannot be a work, it must be an instrument by which we receive all that comes to Christ. All that comes from Christ, excuse me.
0: I love when when Paul declares in Philippians three and verse nine that he wants to be found in Christ, mm-hmm. not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, mm-hmm. uh, because he knows that if he did that righteousness would be as filthy rags. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't measure up to God's righteous and perfect standard. And so he says he wants to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith Mm -hmm. in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Mm -hmm. And so this is why we have the emphasis uh, uh, on faith in the Protestant Reformation, Mm -hmm. that this faith is that which God gives to us uh, so that we can receive the righteousness of Christ into our spiritual account, as it were, and cling to Jesus Christ. Faith is clinging to Jesus Christ and to His work on our behalf, and that's all of grace, which brings us back to sola gratia. So sola gratia, sola fide, solus Christus. Um, Uh, it's in Christ alone that we are saved. We have this wonderful hymn that the Gettys wrote, In Christ Alone. It often comes to mind when we say those words. Uh, but Gabe, let's talk for a minute about what it means to be saved by Christ alone. Why Why is it so important that we have this emphasis?
1: You can say there are at least two pitfalls here, both historically and currently. So, the current pitfall is to believe that there are multiple ways to salvation, and you just kind of climb the tree or climb the mountain, and you'll find God somewhere near the top of that mountain.
0: Yeah, everyone starts (laughs) at their own point, and they go up different ways, but in the end they all meet together in heaven, right, is the idea.
1: That's the idea. (laughs) Love wins. (laughs) But again, Acts chapter 4, verse 12 makes that very clear that there is no other name under heaven whereby men may be saved except through Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy also makes it clear there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. John, uh, the Gospel of John, makes it clear that Jesus is the door of the sheep. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, Jesus makes exclusive claims about himself. The apostles repeat those exclusive claims about Jesus himself. And then there's just the you can say the insult to the intelligence of many people in this sense. Because if there were other ways of salvation, that means the crucifixion was completely unnecessary. All Jesus would have to do is to live a good moral life, die a normal death, and go about the rest of this business. But the reality is that the fact that there is an atonement for sin that required the blood of Jesus Christ means this was the appointed means of salvation. And that's why there are no other mediators. And this leads to the second ditch. There is not a mediator apart from Jesus Christ. It is, not the, um, it is not the works or the extra merit from saints. It is not Mary in any sense of the word. It is Jesus Christ who is the mediator between God and man. Amen. And
0: the Bible in the first commandment declares, you shall have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. This exclusivity we're talking about is not unloving Mm -hmm. at all. God is God. He's the one true and living God. He's made himself known through his Son, and he's given his Son. And and so, to say that that exclusive gospel message that it's in Christ alone that we can be saved is not unloving. It's absolutely loving, because God did not leave us to perish. The one true God, holy God, did not leave us to perish in our sins, but sent his beloved Son into the world to live and die and rise again for our salvation, to rescue us from our sin and so this idea that this exclusive message of the gospel is somehow unloving it's actually
1: the reverse of that it's it's the most loving and from multiple points in the new testament say the exact opposite when god wanted to prove his love for his people he sent his son so to say that the exclusivity of christ is unloving is to miss the fact that god has proven it publicly objectively in the death and resurrection of jesus christ
0: amen so sola scriptura the the scriptures alone are the authoritative uh word of god they are sufficient um and the lord of course sends it forth to accomplish his purposes we can trust the word of god we should Preach and teach the word of God. Uh, we have uh, sola gratia that we're saved by grace alone, and our own good works do not add to the equation. Mm-hmm. If if we did add our good works, it would ruin the equation. Um, we're saved through faith alone, faith being a gift of God, lest any man should boast. And that faith receives and clings to Christ, rests upon Him and His righteousness for salvation. And uh, solus Christus that we're saved by Christ alone, and by no other means. It's through the Son of God who gave His life uh, for sinners. And uh, what's the end? What's the telos of all of these solas? Well, it's the glory of God alone. Soli Deo Gloria. That uh, wonderful phrase that... Uh, Johann Sebastian Bach used to sign his his sheet music uh, "Soli Deo Gloria" (SDG). Uh, why is it so important, Gabe, that we uh, that we consider this this fifth sola and emphasize it in the life of our church, particularly in our in our own day um, of American evangelicalism?
1: Well, part of the expressive individualism that uh Dr. Carl Truman has spoken about, hence at this basic point, that the idea that you can identify as whatever you happen to feel or that you can define your reality or define your personhood strikes at the heart of the fact that we are not our own. We are creatures of God. And since we are God's creation, he himself has determined our end and determined the reason for which we exist. One of the most glorious passages you read in the Bible about this in a probably unrecognized place for many is in Colossians, where it speaks about who Jesus Christ is. And it's very clear in Colossians 1 that not only is Christ himself the creator of all things, it also says that all things were made for Jesus Christ. And that itself tells you who you are and what you ought to be. You're not your own. You weren't created so that you can figure out who you are going to be later on. If you exist, it's because of Christ and it's for Christ Himself. And therefore, a life well-lived, a life that is lived appropriately, is a life that is God-word-oriented and Christ-word-oriented, because He is the only reason you exist.
0: Amen. Amen. And his glory he will not give to another. Mm, the Apostle Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 1 states clearly and explicitly the end to which he saved a people. Mm, okay. In verse 6, Ephesians 1 6, he does so to the praise of his glorious grace. Mm, okay. And then over in verse 12, it says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Okay, uh, and so, the, the end or the telos of our salvation is not primarily about us. It's mm-hmm. about the glory of the blessed triune God. Mm-hmm. That's really what it's about. And, and so, we want to say, as His uh, redeemed, uh, justified, adopted, Uh, sons of the living God uh, that our lives are purposed, as you said earlier Gabe, for the glory of God to God alone be the glory for the scriptures, for his grace for faith, for Christ it's all unto the end of his glory Uh, and this is why we hope that you will see that these five solas are so important for the church today to get us back focused on uh, our blessed triune God and the work that he has done all for his glory, Mm -hmm. not for our glory, not for the glory of any church or any leader, but for the glory of God Uh, And so, we're so thankful you could be with us uh, again on this episode of Between the Times. We hope you've been uh, encouraged, and uh, we hope that if you're not currently uh, Reformed in your theology, uh, that this uh, episode and perhaps a, a book on this subject of the five soul lives of the protestant reformation i know there's one by terry johnson mm. um there are there are others a new one by actually uh, Gabe, gabriel fleur uh that reformation um uh, ligonair ministries rather has put out uh there are some excellent books on this subject of the five souls it can really be a gateway into the Reformed faith to help you understand why these matters are so important. Well, God bless you, and may, uh, may, may you serve Christ with a heart full of love and faith uh, this day, and we'll see you soon on Between the Times.